but she says, there's a chance that he might not be your dad. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 168. And right off the bat, I want to say thank you to three people that have just donated to the NPE Stories Patreon page. So I want to give a shout out to these devotees because I am so close now to getting the new Clean Voice AI technology for the podcast, which will help my editing and the amount of hours I edit a week immensely. So thank you so much, you guys, for those of you that have donated to the NPE Stories Patreon page, especially Jay Marsh, Sally Martell, and Alicia Weiss. Alicia, hi, sweetie. Hi, all of you. Thank you so much for doing this. I I just feel so supported and just really, really grateful. And this is going to be one of my last episodes. I believe this is my last scheduled episode for season four. And I'm an odd duck in that I <laughs> record the entire year, but yet I call it a season. I'm going to take one month off of publishing, and I'm going to try not to check my my NPE Stories email account too often for the month of July of 2023, and then I will come back with Season 5, also known as Year 5, in August with, with all the remaining people on the wait list, and we still have, as it's always growing, uh, somewhere around 54 people on that wait list. So 2023 and 2024 are very booked up with NPEs who are willing to share their story. So for the last episode, I want to bring in my NPE. Today I am speaking with Christy. Hi, Christy. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for everybody who has gone before me as well. I don't know how long you've been waiting, but I'm guessing it was probably maybe like a year long. It was, yeah, a little less than a year, but totally worth it. A lot has changed in that year. I can't wait to hear. And right before Father's Day too. <laughs> That's right. This is going to probably be coming out right, um, right around Father's Day. You and I are recording this the day before, so I'll be... I'll be curious to hear how that goes for you or what you're planning to do for it or what you've done. So why don't you go ahead and tell me who was in your original family and what your childhood was like? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a small town in Southern New Mexico called Las Cruces. I was the youngest of three children. I have an older sister who's five years older than me and an older brother who's three years older than me. 
we had a pretty traditional upbringing as far as being raised with both parents in the home. Um, however, we witnessed a pretty unstable and unhealthy marriage between my parents. There was a lot of fighting and just constant threats of divorce on my dad's end. And my mom worked a lot and she buried herself in her work, um, when she was home, but it really felt like she avoided being home as much as possible. And kind of left us kids with with our dad, who had a lot of anger issues, unpredictable outbursts, and, you know, he was just verbally and physically abusive. Being children, at the time, we chalked it up to that's what normal was. And nobody talked about family issues in our home. Um, it was a type of household where um, you do as you were told and you don't ask any questions. Um, but because of my dad's outbursts and physical abuse, I never felt a closeness to him. I can't think of one point in my life where I felt safe or felt like he was a person to be trusted. Um, most of his aggression, he did take out on, on our mother um, but as we got older, us kids, you know, he started to take it out on us. And so I quickly learned how to behave, um, how to respond to him or just how to avoid him altogether. Um, but with, with all that said, I will say I was, I was very fortunate to have found the sport of gymnastics at a very young age. I was a competitive gymnast from about age eight all the way up until high school. Um, so I was easily spending 20 to 25 hours a week in the gym when I wasn't in school. And I like to say that my coaches raised me. Um, and I still have a really good relationship with my coaches to this day. So I, I feel pretty blessed in that way. And now I'll kind of dive into how I found out I was affected by an NPE. Um, and throughout the whole podcast, I'll refer to dad who raised me. He will be dad. And and then I'll get into the new one. At some point um, in my mid-20s, my older sister had shared with me that our mom had an affair um, right around the time when I was born. And to be honest, when she shared this information with me, I remember just feeling in shock and disbelief because my mom is just like the sweetest, kindest lady. Somebody you would never imagine having an affair on her husband. Um, but my sister also suspected or told me she suspected that was why she um, thought our parents were fighting so much growing up. Um, so in 2000, so I knew about the affair. I never brought it up to mom or dad. Um, in 2019, about, I, th I think my parents had been married for about 40 some years. Um, they ended up, my dad ended up filing for a divorce and I remember my mom calling me and saying that there was a, again, a, a physical altercation. Um, my dad had hurt my mom and it had ultimately led to 
filing of divorce. And of course, all of us kids were thinking, it's about time, you know, dad had threatened divorce our entire upbringing. It's about time you guys get a divorce. But that's, that wasn't the issue. The issue for me was dad hurt mom again. And I couldn't believe it. That's all my ears heard was dad physically hurt my mom again. And at this time, 2019, they're both in their mid sixties. And my mom is just a small, small lady. And I just couldn't believe that he had hurt her. Um, I remember feeling just helpless and uh, all my family is still in New Mexico and I'm in Colorado. Um, I had a conversation with my dad. I was absolutely furious. I told him he was not to come around me or my children until he got help. Um, He didn't like that one bit. Um, I remember uh, his response to me telling him he couldn't come around was, um, he said he he would kill himself if I kept the grandkids from him. And I responded by saying, killing yourself isn't the answer. Becoming a better man is. And that really pissed him off, pissed him off, set him off over the edge. And he started to list off several terrible things about my mom and why he did what he did. And at the end of that conversation, he said, and by the way, you might not even be mine. And in that moment, I was shocked because I thought, who says that to their child? You might not even be mine. Mm. Now, I understand you're mad, but what? So I, um, you know, I hang up the phone with him. I, I call my mom. I let her know what my dad had shared with me. And she didn't deny it, but she just said, I'm so sorry. He's so angry with me right now. Um, and really that's all she could say is he's just so angry with me right now. I'm so sorry. He said those awful things. And I then call my sister and I say, you know, dad, dad said something to me on the phone and, uh, and I'm I'm furious. I'm, I'm really upset at my dad. I can't believe he put hands on my mom and that they were going through this. And I just felt so helpless being so far away. And so I'm talking to my sister and she says, well, you know, we can find out, we can find out. And I'm thinking, you're right. We can do a DNA test and we can find out if we're full siblings and we don't have to tell mom and dad. And I think I was just so furious at my dad at the time that I jumped at the idea. And I was like, yes, let's do this. Let's not tell anybody. Like, there's no way I'm related to this monster. I can't believe you said those things to me. I can't believe you hurt mom. Let's, let's find out. So for whatever reason, ancestry and 23 and me didn't come to my mind, but I knew that you can contact the laboratories and take, um, sibling DNA tests. So, um, we did that. I told my sister, I'll set it up. We live in different States, but I'm going to set up the kits. Um, one kit got mailed out to her. One got mailed out to me and, um, it's called a split kit. And so we found a reputable company. 
online and they sent out a kit to her and one to me. We swabbed our cheeks and we submitted our samples. Um, so whenever you do get the results back from these kits, it's a little bit different than Ancestry and 23andMe. Um, what they do is they you get your results. It's called a DNA profile. You get your results back and it is filled with a ton of numbers. And they're, they basically test 21 genetic markers. And each person who tests will have a paternal and a maternal marker or genetic variant or allele. And then they throw, they put the information through a machine and then they come up with matches and the matches are going to reflect whether or not you are half siblings, full siblings, or no relation. So we swab our cheeks. We wait about two to three weeks. We get the results back. And I believe I got I set it up. So I want to say I got the email back and um, we get the results back and I'm reading this chart and there's just a ton of numbers on it. And it's kind of difficult to read. I thought it was just going to say yes or no, (laughs) but at the very bottom, it says your probabilities. So I'll read to you what this chart said. So the bottom says probability of half sibling. It said 99.8. 9%. Then it said probability of full sibling 99.99%. So her and I were very confused, mm-hmm. but we know 99.9 is higher than 99.9. So we kind of quietly celebrated and said we're full siblings, you know, it's it's higher, so we're full siblings. Um, and honestly, we just let it go. We let it go. We're full siblings. Dad's my dad. End of story. Later on 2019, um, as most of your viewers know, Black Friday's rolling around and a friend of mine says she had taken a 23andMe test and it was so cool. It taught her all about her heritage. They're on sale and I should take this test. And I thought, why not? I'm I'm from New Mexico. We were always told we're Hispanic. We were just kind of put under this umbrella. And I honestly didn't know much about my heritage. So I thought, sure, I'll I'll take this test, $99. So um, it's around Thanksgiving time. I went ahead and I take the 23andMe test. And um, I remember it was December 31st right before New Year's, um, I get my results back. And no big shockers, I will say that, other than um, I was 27% Native American, which I figured being from Southern New Mexico, I would have some Native American heritage, but 27% was pretty high. So I remember thinking that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was also Spanish-Portuguese. Um, so I took a snapshot of my, my rainbow chart on 23andMe and I send it to my mom and I say, mom, I'm 27% Native American. Like, how come nobody told me? And her response was, the only thing you need to know is that you came from Jesus. That's what she told me. 
Mm. And I remember thinking, that's an interesting response. Like that's, that's pretty odd. I wasn't expecting that, but my mom can be a little off sometimes. So I was just like, okay, no big deal. And after looking at the chart, I, like everybody does, we get into the relatives and nothing shocking there. A lot of distant, you know, um, second, third, fourth, fifth cousins. I did have one at the very top that said first cousin once removed. And his name was Adon Ramirez. And I remember thinking Ramirez is a very common last name where I'm from. Um, I think I have distant relatives with that last name, so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But I did take a screenshot of the relatives and I shared it with my mom. And I said, do you know any of these people? And she said she recognized some, but not all of them. Um, But I was still curious. I was like, how could I have a first cousin once removed? who I don't know. Cause I know all of my first cousins. I know most, or I think I know all of my second cousins. How could I not know this one? So I send him a message and I just said, Hey cousin, like, how are we related? It says we share a set of grandparents and he was awesome. He responds within 24 hours. He asks for my parents' names, my grandparents' names, and he shares his and we keep comparing He told me he came from a very large family. He shared all of my information with his older sister because she was also trying to help us solve this puzzle. Um, And we just, we couldn't figure it out. And I even joked in the, one of the messages and I said, Hey, by chance, did you have an uncle who delivered milk in my hometown in 1985? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, but I have family who lives in your hometown. Or he said, no, not that I know of, but I have I have family that lives in your hometown. And so I, I think our messages must have gone on for about two weeks. And again, we just never solved this mystery. So we just let it go. And honestly, it just was like, okay, just some cousin out there. It wasn't something that I was diving deep into. Because I knew that my, I knew my sister was my sis, my full sibling, and I was just like, okay, this is just a new, new cousin on the side. Um, so now we're into 2020. Um, pandemic is hitting. Things are shutting down. Um, life is changing for everybody. Um, my mom is pretty deep into her divorce at this time. Her her health begins to decline. Um, her autoimmune disease flares up. Um, things just, you know, aren't looking good for my mom. She's just in very, very poor health. Um, I'm, I want to spend as much time with her as possible, but you know, I couldn't because of the lockdowns. And I, I want to say I spoke with my dad a few times during 2020, but in early 2021, um, I, I had to cut off my relationship with my dad because we just had such a dysfunctional, unhealthy relationship, but he still remained in my children's life as, as grandpa, just not through me. Cause I, I stopped communication with him. Um, so now we're into 
2021. And again, my mom's health is still not in the best of shape, but the world is starting to open up again. And so I tell my mom, I say, I want to take you on a Mother's Day trip. Like I want to spend time with you. She's been so stressed. She's been ill. And I just wanted to have a memorable Mother's Day with her because I don't know when her last one is going to be. Um, so we did that. I planned this beautiful trip to the ocean, her and my kids. It was fantastic. When we came back from that trip, um, her and I went out to dinner and the kids, my kids now went back with their dad. So it's just she and I at dinner and we had sat down, we had a glass of wine, we're sitting there and she says, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about your dad. And I kind of rolled my eyes because she always says, you need to make amends and you need to forgive like he's your dad. So I'm bracing myself for that. But she says, there's a chance that he might not be your dad. And in that moment, I was, I was speechless. Um, she, you know, she proceeded to say it's a very slim chance. It's a very, very slim chance. Um, and she tells, this is the first time she had ever openly talked about any of this, but she says, I did have an affair. It was only one time. She kept saying it was one time. It was one time, you know, 36, 37 years ago. Um, she said, I honestly don't think this other man is your biological father. She said he's if oh she said he's very nice. He she did tell me that he was ill. He has congestive heart failure. She said she has his contact information. And if that's the route I was willing to take, if I would want to know for sure if my dad is my dad or if this other man is my dad, she said she has his contact information and she would need time to gain the courage to talk to him because he has no idea I exist. Um, she said, I think he would be willing to take a paternity test. And I'm taking this all in. We're at dinner and I'm just like, what? What? But I'm also very calm. I'm letting her squirm a little bit because in my head, I had already taken the sibling test with my sister. So I had already known this man's not my, not going to be my dad, but I'll let her squirm because she waited 36 years to tell me this information. So I sat there and she cried and, and I was just very calm and I listened to her. Um, and so let's see. So we, we sat there and I asked her, of course, what's his first and last name? Does he know about me? I asked her all of those questions. I asked her why she waited for so long to share this with me. And she said that when she found out that she was pregnant with me, she had panicked. She had gone to the church. She spoke to the counselor and they told her, don't you ever tell a soul. And I often think about those words and the power of words and how many lives 
those words changed. Don't you ever tell a soul. So with the fear of my dad running off with her two little babies and the counselor's words, she did just that. She never told anybody. Um, so yeah, we have that conversation and I remember going back home and my head is just spinning. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in my head that she, she had told me it's a very slim chance. And I knew I had taken that test with my sister. So I was like, Oh, just, it's fine. You know, he's not going to be my dad. Um, but for some reason that night I went back to my my 23 and me app and I open up the messages between that first cousin and I that I had messaged back in early 2020. And I noticed that he shared the same last name as this potential bio dad. But I was still in so much denial that it didn't matter. You know, most people would be like, oh my goodness, this new potential bio dad has the same last name as his first cousin. Surely it's positive. He's your dad. But I, I was in complete denial. They shared the same last name and I was still in complete denial. Um, so I tell my mom, I say, take your time, talk to this new person whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll be here and I'll be willing to test. So about one month passes and um, my mom calls and she says she had lunch with this man. His name is Frank Ramirez. She says, I gained the courage to tell him um, that he might have a 36-year-old daughter. (laughs) Uh, She said he's in shock, um, but he's excited. His response was, I hope she's mine. She said he sounded genuinely excited. So honestly, I was pretty detached to that still. But I, uh, you know, with the experience of setting up these paternity tests through the laboratories, I said, okay, mom, I'll set up the kits. Give me his mailing address. That's all I need. So I found a reputable company online. I set up the kits. They mailed one off to him, mailed one to me. And because I set it up, they were going to email the results to me and then paper mail the results to him. But I also requested paper to me because I wanted to know when he received his because I figured we'd be receiving um, the paper on the exact same day. Um, So the kit comes and I'm I'm swabbing my cheek and I'm honestly taking this as a joke. I, this is silly, but I have a picture of myself swabbing my cheek and my eyes are crossed and I'm just like, oh, here we go. Because I just thought there's zero probability that this person is, is my dad. Um, so we, we do our swabs, we wait um, I'm cracking jokes with my mom. I'm telling her things. The, the man's name is Frank. And so I'm like, frankly, I'm okay with whatever happens or, um, let's be frank with each other. Like I <laughs> cracking jokes left and right. And this whole thing, I'm just taking it really lightly. Um, so we wait and it felt like forever, but I think it was about two to three weeks and I get an email that says the results are in. 
So now we're in July of 2021 and I get an email that says results are in. And I, I told myself, I'm not going to check the email because I don't think it's fair that I find out before him. I wanted to wait till the paper mail came in so we could find out on the same day. So about three days pass and that blue dot is still in my inbox and it's driving me absolutely crazy. And I'm like, I, I have to check it. I can't, I can't wait any longer. So I remember waiting until there was, it was a Friday and my kids were with their dad. So I had a quiet house. I was by myself and I thought, just check it. You need to check the email already. Um, it's going to be zero probability. Just open it up. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't open up that email. And I think it's because I hadn't sat with the feelings of what would happen if he is your dad? Because in my head, it was like, he's not going to be, but I hadn't really sat with that yet. So I think I had that little nerve in the back of my head. So I sat down to open the email and right around the time that I was going to open it, one of my good friends called me up and he asked what I was doing. And I told him and I told him I couldn't open the email. So he says, go ahead and forward it to me. He said, put me on speaker. I'll open it for you. And I said, okay, let's do it together. So I forward him the email. There's an attachment in it with the results. And he, he opens it up. And he's very quiet. And I, I remember saying, what does it say? What does it say? And he says, hold on, hang on. He said, now the crocodile mouth opened up means greater than, right? That's the greater than? And I'm like, yes, yes. What does it say? And he's like, well, I don't want to get that part wrong. I said, okay. And he goes, I think it's a yes. And I went, what? So I immediately open up the email, open up the attachment. I'm looking at this huge chart with tons of numbers. And at the very, very bottom, it says probability of paternity is greater than 99.999%. And I hang up the phone with him. I immediately call my mom. I let her know that the results were in. And she says, hold on, hold on. Let me go to the bathroom. I want to hear them. And I remember thinking, you might want to stay on the toilet for this one. But I didn't say that. So I let her do her thing. And I talked to her. I told her there were a lot of numbers, but this is what it says. And she said she was in absolute shock. She couldn't believe it. So she was just like, what? Like, how? There's, what? She's just, you know, she kept repeating. She she acted like she was in true shock. And looking back now, um, I know she wasn't. I I know that her entire life, she has known the truth. And, you know, I feel like a belief is just a habit of thought. So I just feel like over the last 36 years, it's possible that she convinced herself that she was unsure of who he was, who, who my true bio dad was. But deep down in her heart, I think she always knew. 
I really do. So, you know, we talk, we have that conversation. And I remember just telling her, I told her that everything was going to be okay. I just remember saying, mom, everything's going to be okay. It's almost like I was comforting her. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the conversation, she did ask that I not share this information with my siblings. She said, um, because they will share this with my dad. And these were her words. She said, he will, he will kill me if he finds out. Those are her words. So I agree. I said, okay, you, you have my word. I will not share this information with anybody. Um, we will get through this and, and it'll be okay. So I hang up the phone and I went straight to my safe and I pulled out my sister's DNA results because I thought, well, if we're full siblings, that means Frank has to be her bio dad too. So I went, I got her results. I have all the information I need. I have all the DNA profiles. I'm, I'm matching it up. And there were several matches. Um, but in order for the probability to be greater than 99.99, all of the markers that are tested are required to be a match and they were not. So he was not her biological father. He was mine and not hers. So with that, um, the next few days after finding out, I would say for all of us, um, there's a lot of emotions that go into it. Um, it was a blur. A lot of it was a blur. I remember for no reason, just bawling my eyes out just out of confusion, out of anger, replaying childhood achievements and events in my life that this new person, Frank, would never experience. And knowing that he is very ill. So I did have that piece of information. I didn't know much about Frank. All I knew, I didn't have a picture. I didn't know anything about him other than that that he was very ill. Um, it saddened me deeply to know that here's this person who's excited to find out he might have another daughter and he missed out on 36 years. Um, the other hard part was I couldn't share this information with anybody. This It's like my mom handed over this burden to me and I couldn't call my sister up and tell her. I I didn't even tell my best friend who lived in that hometown because I had the fear of her accidentally telling my sister. So I was just keeping this deep, dark secret in um, from a lot of my close friends. And there were some people I shared it with that had no connection to my family. But other than that, it was just very lonely and dark and confusing I didn't have the support groups that I now know exist. Um, I didn't have the podcasts. It was just, it was just really dark. So a few days after, um, after getting the email, um, still no paper mail results. And I tell my mom, um, there's no results in the mail. We know the results. You need to, you need to call Frank up and, and tell him. You need to tell him what's going on. Tell him that he has a daughter out here. And I asked my mom if um, 
if I could have his phone number and she could give him mine because I had several questions to ask him. So she didn't want to make that phone call, but she did. And then she, I remember the day she finally called me back and she said, okay, she said, I did it. He's in shock. Um, He seems excited. She said he hung up the phone and then called her back immediately. He asked for my full name and my date of birth. And then when she told him, April 2nd, 1985, she said he started crying and he said, April 2nd, that's, that's my birthday too. So out of 365 days, I share the same birthday with my biological father. Wow. So yeah, so we share a birthday And he's just very excited. In fact, he called me the day that he found out, but I couldn't answer it because I had my kids with me and it just wasn't the right time and place. So I scheduled a phone conversation, um, I think that following Saturday, and I wanted to have my list of questions ready. And it was, it was pretty cool because prior to that conversation, I actually put together a little, um, package with baby photos of me, current photos of me, because again, we had, I had no idea what he, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know if he had kids. He didn't know what I looked like. I mean, he's not on social media or anything like that. So I had put together a little package of of photos and I put some pink bubblegum cigars, I think, and a <laughs> congratulations um, card. And I sent that off to him. But um, so we did, we set up our phone conversation. He got his package and he, I just have that sense of humor. I'm like, you know, these, <laughs> these things are pretty heavy and we got to just kind of laugh at them sometimes. So he loved it. I, uh, we scheduled the phone call and um I noticed that, let's see, when we started talking, he just had a very similar calm demeanor that I had. Um, kind of has this cute giggle after his sentences. Um, he filled me in with all of the family history. Um, one of the first questions I asked was, do I have, like, are there half siblings out there? Do you have kids? And he did. He told me that... Um, he had a son and a daughter that were around the same age as me. And of course, be, you know, coming from a small town, I thought, oh my gosh, did I date my brother? Oh my gosh. I said, what's his first and last name? And immediately I had to go on Facebook because it's just a small town. Well, so I look up the brother on Facebook and this is the first time I'm seeing images of anybody um, who might be related, who is related to me. And I see this picture of my brother, Brian, the new brother, and I didn't date him, but I recognize him. I'm like, I know this guy. I know him. He was engaged to one of my friends. We had 45 friends, 45 mutual friends. Surely we crossed each other on the street. Um, So we went into that. He told me I have a sister who is my same age. So the sister is only four months younger than me. 
Um, so at the time my mom was having an affair, but Frank was a single man. So he was living his best life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he tells me, you know, he was a, we come from a long line of Mexican cowboys and he's very proud of that. And, um, he's just giving me all of the, the details about the family history and a unique piece of this conversation is he tells me, um, he says, Hey, I, I know your dad. He said, I don't know him, but I know their family. I know your, your dad's family. He said, did you know that my dad and your dad's mother are first cousins? And I went, what? So that would make Frank and my dad second cousins which would make my siblings and I fourth cousin, half siblings, which would also answer the question of how my sister and our DNA profile turned up higher on the probability of full siblings. Mm. So I believe that's that answered that question for us. And I was just in shock about that. He also went in to tell me about how he met my mother and how they met country dancing. And then he said, I loved your mom so much back then. He said, I love her now and I would be with her now if I could. And I said, hold on. How long did you date my mom? And he said, oh, two years or so. And I went, two years? Or my mom slept with you one time for two years? (laughs) Okay. So then, you know, just hearing that, when something of this magnitude happens and lies start to come to the surface, you know, you, you start to lose a lot of trust in people and family members and and really just anybody around you, it's, it, it was hard. I felt very betrayed and again, very alone. Um, that was a piece of information that I did not share with my mom. You know, a lot of people ask like, did you tell your mom that you found out she had a two-year affair? And honestly, I didn't because I just don't see where that's going to help anybody in this. And so I just, you know, that's just a piece of information that I know and I just keep to myself. Um, but in that conversation with Frank, um, it went really well. Um, he kept telling me that he was so happy that he had grandchildren, two, two new grandsons, my, my children, I have two boys. He kept saying my grandkids, my grandkids. And I remember being very protective like, whoa, hold on. Those, those are my kids. Like, I still don't know you yet, but Mm -hmm. yes, biologically they are your grandchildren, but they, they have and love their grandpa so much, you know, my dad that raised me. So I just remember feeling very protective, um, over that. And, you know, he kept calling me, you know, his daughter, his daughter, and it just, it felt so strange to me because I'm talking to a stranger. How could like, it was all so 
so bizarre, but the conversation went well. And I will say when we ended the conversation, he did say, I love you. And I hesitated. Um, I did say it back, but um, I didn't grow up in a very affectionate family. And I don't throw those words out just to anybody. So I remember saying it back, but thinking like that felt like saying that to a complete stranger, you know, it just felt so weird. Um, but with all of that, I've listened to so many of your, your pod, your previous guests on your podcast, and I've heard so many NPE stories that, you know, most of them, not most of them, but a lot of them lean toward the direction of, of being rejected by their new families or never having the opportunity to meet their new families. And so I feel so grateful um, that that wasn't the case for me. But if I'm being honest, um, at the beginning of my discovery, I, I will say that I was the one, I don't like the word rejecting, but I was the one pushing everybody away. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even though I didn't have a relationship with my dad who raised me, I didn't want a new one. And I was curious to know who my new siblings were, but I didn't want new ones. I, I wanted to hide. I felt so embarrassed. I felt so ashamed. Um, I wanted this to go away as much as possible. I, I wanted to ignore it. Um, you know, and I, I told Frank, the new dad that, and I'm sure my mom also told him that we didn't want this to get out. Um, let's see. And I, I remember the day that my new brother on Facebook sent me a friend request and my, my heart stopped and I was like, we can't do this. Like you can't, you can't tell your friends about me. Nobody knows you, my own, my, my siblings don't know about this. Like we, I can't have this get out. And then shortly after my sis, my new sister sends me a Facebook message saying, we're sisters. I've wanted one my entire life. And I'm like, I'm excited to know you, but I can't let this get out. And she wanted to announce it and make it Facebook official. And I was like, absolutely not. Like I have to protect my mom. I told my mom that I would protect her and we wouldn't let this get out. Nobody is to know about this. And I had cousins reaching out to me. So Frank wanted to scream, you know, from the rooftops that he has this new daughter and it's so beautiful and everybody was just so awesome. And I was the one, I was the one pushing back and, and pumping the brakes because I didn't know how I could possibly have a functional relationship with this new family and keep it a big secret from my family of origin. So I think that's where that came from. Um, but it was it was really hard. It was really difficult. And I remember having the conversation with the new sister because we did speak on the phone. And she was so excited, so happy. And I told her, like, I understand. Like, you guys gained a family member and I gained a new family. But I also had this tremendous sense of loss. Um, I felt like I had lost half of my family and I had lost half of who I was. Um, 
this sounds crazy, but it actually took my my brain about five months to realize I didn't have a full sibling. You know, I had no full sibling, just four half siblings now. Um, and I think the worst part was I couldn't share this information with anybody. You know, and I knew I wasn't the only one on the planet who was experiencing this, but um, I couldn't. I talked to some friends and nobody could relate to what I was going through. And I didn't even know what an NPE was until about nine months into my discovery um, when my boyfriend was actually researching support groups for people like me. So he was the one that actually found the term NPE. And then through that, I found um, the Facebook support group NPE, NPE only after the discovery. And then through them, I found your podcast. And then I found Eve Sturges, Everything's Relative, and then Dawn's podcast, Missing Pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the book by Leanne Hay, A Story Guide to DNA Discoveries. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I feel like I highlighted that entire book. Mm-hmm. The first time I felt like oh, there's somebody else out there like me. It was it was just really special. And I feel like that's when I really started to to grow and embrace this because before, like I said, it was just really dark and lonely. Um, so I'll fast forward to August of 2021. So this is about a month after I found out um, that Frank was my biological father. Um, I had planned a trip back to visit my family of origin And it's pretty convenient. They only live about 10 minutes away from from Frank. So I said, I'm going to go visit family and then I'm going to sneak away and meet him. Um, So I did that. I visited family and then I told Frank, I'm just going to knock on your door and I'm going to I'm going to meet you. And I did request that he have some photo albums out of him when he was a child and family members because, you know, I was told that he looked um, he's on a lot of medication now he's, he's ill. So he does just kind of look like an old man. Um, and so he did, I knocked on his door. Um, he opens it up. His eyes are just big and brown and beautiful. We give each other this huge hug and he's holding back tears and he, you know, he welcomes me in his home. He starts showing me around and I tell people it was so surreal. I felt like I was just in a dream. I'm looking around and he was, um, he was a woodworker. So he likes to build with his hands. And so he's showing me all of the things that he's, he's built and just the way he decorated his house. It was like, I had decorated that house. (laughs) And then I remember going into his bathroom and seeing the way his towels were folded. And I'm like, I fold my towels that way, you know, and he was so organized. And I remember asking him, do you have a maid? Because it was like somebody went in and just organized his house. And he's like, no. Um, And I come from a family of borderline hoarders. So to me, this was just so cool to see similarities. And he and I share, you know, um, we collect antiques 
we're, we're both creators. We had the same lucky number. He had the number 44 in his email address, what I found out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that number is in every one of my passwords. That's my number too. Mm-hmm. So we had so many similarities. It was just so neat. So that trip went really well. Um, a, a cool piece in that trip, he asked, he said, hey, can I take you and your mom out to lunch? And my heart was pounding and I'm like, oh, we can't have anybody see us. Like this is this is a huge secret. We can't have, and again, I come from a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. If one person sees us, it's going to get out. So I asked my mom and she agreed to have lunch. So we picked like the awkward hour, like four o'clock lunch where nobody was going to be out. And we did, we all sat, we had lunch and it was so beautiful. I have a picture of me, my mother and Frank um, having lunch together and I have it on my refrigerator. Um, And my mom, you know, she cried and she told us both how sorry she was that it took this long to have us meet each other. Um, And I got to stop her and I got to say, don't apologize, mom. Like, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you. And I want to thank Frank for getting together and giving me life. So that was pretty special to have the opportunity to do that. Um, A few months after that visit, um, was Thanksgiving. And again, I visited my family. I got to sneak away. And in this trip, I got to meet aunts, uncles, a brother, um, a grandmother, my only living grandmother, who's 87. She's 87 years old. Yes. And the brother and I got along so well. The sister lives in um, a different state, so I haven't yet met her. Um, the brother and I, Brian, we joke, we were like, it's a good thing we didn't know each other growing up because we would have been trouble. We were just, we're so much alike and we just mm-hmm. get along really well. Um, so after meeting the grandmother during that Thanksgiving trip, I come home and about two weeks later, I get a package in the mail from her and it was so special. It was an Afghan blanket and she said that she knits a blanket for each and every one of her grandchildren. And she knitted this one for me, her new <laughs> grandchild. So I was just completely blown away at this family and how they embraced me and treated me like the guest of honor when I got to meet them. Um, so about a so about a year passed after I discovered the new family. Yeah, I talked to my mom and said I can't. I can't sneak around anymore. I cannot hide this. This is not my burden to bear. It just really isn't. And I gave my mom several opportunities to share this with my siblings. I said, at least share it with my my siblings. Um, and she said, no. She said, no way. She said, we're not going to start this family drama. And I remember thinking, oh, just feeling heated. But... I'll never forget these words. She said, your brother and sister are still your brother and sister. Your dad is still your dad and nothing changes. And it was those words right there. Nothing changes. And I will tell you, I lost my shit in that moment. And I do not do that very often. I can't think of any other time in my life where I've ever been upset at my mother. But when she said nothing changes changes. I remember thinking you have no idea 
how much this last year has been life-changing for me. So I started writing a letter. I composed probably a four, six-page letter, I don't know, to the family. And I spoke openly about our upbringing, about all the years of abuse that we endured from my father and the household that we grew up in. I shared my NPE discovery. Um, I really took it upon myself to end the pattern of intergenerational trauma. I thought, now's the time. And I did. I mailed off that letter to, um, it was the identical letter. I sent it off to mom, dad, my brother, and my sister. And I said a little prayer, put them in the mailbox, and I let it go. (sighs) And about four days later, I got the responses from my brother. He was very respectful. He was in shock, you know, learning about all of this new information. Um, My sister called me. She cried. And she said, um, she said, I don't want to share you with anybody. I don't want, I don't want you to be my half sister. We're sisters. And I told her, I said, I don't, I don't believe in the word half brother, sister. Like we're all brothers and sisters. It's, we're not half of a relationship. We are, we are brothers and sisters. Um, my mom said she had a hard time reading the letter and my dad is blocked. So I don't know what his response was to me, but he, according to my sister, he did have a pretty good screaming match with my mom, finding out about um, the news. Um, but happy to say he did not kill her. She is still alive. And then I, I think the letter landed well in their hands and everybody's healing and working through it. I wanted to say a few months ago, um, I shared this information with my kids It took me a little over a year. My kids are 10 and 12 years old, and I really battled with myself in how to share this information with young children. They love their grandpa more than anything, and I want them to have that. I know children, or your listeners have children of different ages, and they're all at different maturity levels. Um, And there's no right way to tell a child. But I, I wanted to add that there is a really neat episode of DuckTales. If you're familiar, um, it's episode 25, season three. It's the finale. There's an episode where one of the little ducklings, her name is Webby. She finds out that Uncle Scrooge is her biological father, and he has no idea that Webby is his daughter. So my kids watched that episode and asked a lot of questions. So I kind of used that to propel the conversation of, of how it, it it happened to Webby and it happened to me. And, and there was a lot of love in that episode and everything is going to be okay. And now you have two grandpas and not just one. And they, I'm hoping that they actually get to meet their new grandpa, Frank, this September is the plan. So with that, I just wanted to end with um, with Father's Day coming up tomorrow. I did want to share what I did for my very first Father's Day, which was last June. Um, I purchased 37 Father's Day cards. <laughs> and uh, yes, and I wrote in every single 
one of them. And I started it with June 16th, 1985, when I was only two months old. And I talked about all of the life events. I included newspaper clippings of me when I was in gymnastics. I included the day I found out I was engaged, when I was pregnant. I included when I was 13 and I got caught sneaking out of my window and how I was grounded for life. I also um, made some of the Father's Day cards, like wrote with my left hand and crayon, almost like your five-year-old kid would do for Father's (laughs) Day. And yeah, so I did 37 cards. It was essentially a Cliff Notes version of my life. And yeah, I, I put them all in a box and I mailed it off. And I would say that was very healing for me to go back to where was I when I was two and three and four and five. And I, it was, it was so healing. Um, and yeah, he, he loved it. He read them all. He said he read them. He cried. He read them to his mother, my grandmother, and she cried. Um, so I think that everything that comes our way has value in it. And we might not see it in that moment when we're in the fog, but just knowing that it's there is, is enough because it is. I'm tearing up a little bit just <laughs> imagining those 37 Father's Day cards. That's what an absolutely precious idea. I love it so much. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now, did you also have some work you were doing in the NPE community or you were starting to do? Yeah. So I am certified to be a mentor um, through Right to Know. Um, I haven't been matched with anybody yet. So if my story resonates with anybody and they want to reach out, email me or call me, you're welcome to do so. Uh, My email is Christy underscore Felix at yahoo.com. Oh, thank you so much for for doing that and for being willing to be a mentor to NPEs. I mean, there are lots of people that want to email or and talk and sometimes talk on the phone. And so thank you. Just to have, yeah, somebody, because I remember those first nine months of feeling loneliness are, are very difficult. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. You do feel so alone. You explain that so well. Well, I already have your email address here and I'm going to link everything. I might even try to find this episode of of DuckTales. Yeah, I think it's on Disney. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Okay, Disney. I'm going to link all this below. And Christy, just thank you so much for for being the last, the last NP of the season, season four, and for for sharing your entire story with us today. I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Mm-hmm.